this is Tracy Watson and welcome to the Laughing Mother Project where we laugh at the days to come. Lovely to be spending time with you again this morning. Um, I normally like to interview a guest, but today I just felt that I really needed to share something about my own personal journey because I think that it might minister to somebody out there who may be listening. So I just wanted to talk to you about the fact that um, I went through something in my life where Jesus just completely changed the way that I saw being a mother and being a human being that serves and loves Jesus. And I just wanted to share something about that. So I hope you've got some coffee or tea and that you found a nice comfy place and that you can just listen to the message and hopefully you'll find Jesus meeting you while we talk. Um, I want to start the story by saying that I've been a Christian all my life, but I've also been somebody who likes to do things well, and um, I just want to do my best at everything. And sometimes, I think that my one of my five love languages is that I like to show people that I love by acts of service, and this can be mean that I can be a human doing sometimes, more so than a human being. And... I found myself um, at one stage in my life when my children were toddlers that I was incredibly busy and I had become so busy that I had actually become physically sick and physically tired. At this stage, Doug was working, um, he was coaching inland cricket and he was coaching, having, he ran a coaching academy in, at, for Westville Boys and this meant that he was working on Saturdays and Sundays and he was working. So he basically had two jobs, but he was working seven days a week. And at that stage, I had a little um, play group from home called the Mustard Seeds. And I absolutely loved that. I used to um, work with mothers of small children. They were 18 months old till three years old. And um, it was just a very, very special time in my life, but it was very, very busy because I also used to have a ladies group, a group of ladies who used to meet in my house. And having toddlers, I also often used to have ladies come around in the afternoons and their children would play and I would bake cakes. And I really thought I was being such an amazing Christian because I was just serving basically 24-7 and I was basing how great I was being a Christian on how many people I could serve in a day. And I was priding myself on being an outstanding Christian because although I was in this phase in my life of having toddlers and having a husband who often couldn't come to church with me, I was still managing to get to church and do everything that I thought was important and great. But I actually reached burnout. Um, uh, I developed this um, reflex thing because of reflux thing from um, acid and uh, yeah, I, I started feeling like I, I was choking when I was swallowing 
because of the acid and um, there were other things that were going on with me and I started getting very very thin and I was so offended because one day this very lovely probably well-meaning girl came to my house and she said to me that a group of other ladies had been speaking about me and they'd noticed that I'd got very thin and they were wondering if everything was okay with me and if I was having problems in my marriage or what was wrong with me. I was so offended because I thought I was carrying so much and doing everything so well and I was so offended that they had been discussing me and that this girl had the audacity to come and tell me that they'd been discussing me and they'd come to the understanding that perhaps things were not going that well for me personally in my personal life. Anyway, I was actually highly offended and I, I started getting offended by other people in my life and this of course made me feel even more and more ill because offense does that to you and um, yeah in my own mind I was thinking gosh I've been trying to steward things so well and pour myself out to others how dare these people think this of me in my own prideful mind I was doing so well and um, I was actually in my own mind thinking that I had got it all together as a Christian and as a woman and a mother and so this was this really offended my pride anyway the one day I was standing in a service a church service and I was praying and saying Lord I think I need the beach I need a time of refreshing I need to go somewhere where there's rolling waves and sandy shores I grew up with a surfer dad and so the beach meant refreshment to me. And while I was in worship, I just felt that I had this experience. I don't know if you've ever had that, but I just was singing a song and all of a sudden it felt like a daydream, but it actually was a vision that the Lord came and met me in. So it felt like a daydream. I felt like this lion, this amazing, beautiful, majestic lion took me and I don't know how he did it, but he put me on his back. And before I knew it, my head was in this beautiful, warm, lovely, furry mane, holding on to his very strong muscular neck and racing through what looked like dry desert savannas at a speed of probably 80 kilometers an hour. And as far as the eye could see, there was nothing but desert and the odd acacia tree and a very, very blue, cloudless, wide expanse of sky. And it was in worship. And I felt the Lord distinctly whisper into my spirit, I know what you need and you need spacious places. And I carried on worshiping, but I was profoundly affected by that encounter with the Lord. And I know that it was an encounter because it totally invaded the present circumstance that I was in. And it wasn't what I was thinking. But I've come to know that when the Lord speaks to me, he doesn't speak in English. I think he doesn't want to be misunderstood. And that um, language and tone and having lived in different places where the language might be English, culture, 
can mean that there can still be misunderstanding. I've come to know that the voice of the Lord speaks the language of love. There is no way that it can be misunderstood. And even if it comes in correction, it is so gently and powerfully wrapped in furious love that we actually feel set free, even if it is speaking directly something that needs to change or come into alignment. I also have found that when the voice of the Lord comes, that it is like it, it, it travels at the speed of light. It's just like it's, it's almost like deep calling to deep and like light, like a light flash. He speaks and he just sets things back into place. So that's what happened with me. And it was so amazing because I know that it was prophetic because the Lord began to change things through a series of events to take our family to Namibia. And Doug was to become the head coach of the Namibian squad. But slowly he began to um, close and wrap up things. And we knew without a doubt that that was the direction we were headed into. I was still experiencing physical issues that um, I needed victory over. But despite that, the Lord had showed me that he was taking me to spacious places. And before I even got to Namibia, he had shown me what Namibia was going to look like. He was actually going to take me to the desert. And there was such healing to be found in the desert. So I just want to interject here that I think that personally, I was under a very big weight of religion where I thought that I had to work to get God's pleasure, to get his approval, to get his love. I thought I had to impress others with how much I did for God. And I think sometimes we think that if we go to a charismatic church, a church that has a band and loud music, that there's no way that there can be any religiosity in that place. But my friends, we can be mistaken. Anywhere on the planet, if we're serving God, and we think that the more that we do for God, the more He is going to love us, or the better Christian we're going to be, that is a spirit of religion. It puffs up, it causes pride, I've been guilty of it. I speak from experience. And Jesus, the Lion of Judah, was about to encounter me and teach me how furious his love is and that he chases after me and he's not impressed by my good works. All they do is tire you out, make you exhausted, make you offended, cause you to feel judged and disqualified and they open you up to every single lie that the enemy lion that roars around, walks around, trying to be like a lion, wants to throw at you. So from that place on, we moved to Namibia. Now it might seem all easy peasy, putting in power, that was great, we were going to move into a more um, spacious place. But actually there was a process and there were many encounters that followed that first encounter. One of them was that we closed up everything. Grace was six and Luke was four. And I, I closed up my little school, my mustard seed school, and we rented out our home. And I had said to Doug that I would agree to go on condition that they'd pay our relocation fees. And so we got 
sent all these forms from the United Nations to fill in because there were was a need in Namibia for cricket coaches and for English teachers. So um, we became part of an auxiliary um, branch of the United Nations called AMSCO and we filled out for forms and they were going to relocate us. Anyway, six days before we were meant to leave, six days, friends, we got this message to say that the United Nations were no longer going to pay our relocation fees. They were going, there were a lot of perks and amazing things that are very grateful for what we did enjoy as being part of uh, AMSCO and the UN. But I think it was in God's good plan. So I don't blame them at all because of another encounter that I had. But six days before we left, we heard that we were not going to take any of our belongings. I had a very lovely big four-bedroomed house with two lounges, my own business. I had domestic staff. I had everything that I needed. And yet I was tired and not well and... I just was faced with this news that I wasn't going to take everything, anything. And my wonderful father-in-law went and bought us a trailer so that we could take more things with us. But we sold one of our cars and we just had a Fortuna and a trailer to put in what we needed. And you know, I had an encounter before that happened. The encounter that I had with before that happened was that I was praying and it was a strange thing because every time I prayed... I would meet the line of Judah. I would have a picture that would come into my mind about the line of Judah. And I had this picture that I was on the lion's back again and we were about to go racing through the desert places and I realized that I had this big bag, this big leather bag over my shoulder. And as we sped off, this bag just fell off my shoulder because of the speed at which we left and it just went tumbling and whatever was in it just began to fall out of it and hit the road behind me and I I said to the lion what about my baggage my bag my bag has fallen and I felt once again the word that came into my heart at the speed of light saying that is baggage that you are carrying and you don't need it where you're going so this encounter happened before I got the news that we weren't taking anything with us. I'd love to say that I responded full of faith and happy, but I actually was very, very cross that I couldn't take everything with me. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How's, it, how's this going to work for me? And, um, you know, Jesus, God is our provider. He wanted to strip off every piece of baggage, everything that I thought I needed. And I just saw miracle after miracle happening on the journey. You know, we, we went down to one car and where I had said that Doug had been working 24-7, it felt like seven days a week, we began to share a car. And it was the most glorious thing. I didn't want Doug to get his own car. I, the conversations and the lovely things that happened in us sharing a car uh, uh, were from heaven. I am so grateful for that time that we shared that car. We moved from this very big house into a tiny little house. And when we first got there, we knew that we were not taking anything from our kitchens 
friends, not even a teaspoon. Nothing. We didn't have a couch. We didn't have a bed. And I jokingly said to Doug, Douglas, I told you that I would only go if they took my things with me. And now they're not taking them with me. So what are we going to do? You should have gone and discussed this and debated and at least like took our case before them, before we agreed. And you know how we try and tell our husbands what to do. And Doug just said to me, no, he's not doing it. And I said to him, I was cheeky. I was like, okay, Doug, then I, when we get there, seeing you, you happy to pay for everything, I'm going to, I'd like leather couches when we get there, two beautiful leather couches. I mean, just so arrogant after God had showed me something. And um, Doug said to me, no, 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 you're going to have sleeper couches because they're going to have to double up to being our beds at night. And in the day, they'll be the couches that we sit on. Oh, my word. I just, I think at that point, I just began to surrender to the journey and to the grace of God. And I, I would love to share all the amazing things that happened about how God provided for us in ways that were supernaturally wonderful. I just believe that he wanted to show me that he was able to care for me, that he wasn't impressed by how well I thought I was doing as a Christian by caring for so many others, that he wanted to care for me, love me, that he would take the time to strip off me all the things that I thought he was impressed by and just in a nakedness before him, clothe me and love me and just show me that he just loved me before I could do a single thing for him. He loved me when I had nothing to bring to him. And so, um, but what I wanted to explain and just give some glory to him, some testimony, is that when we got there, this one beautiful lady was showing us around um, Vintook and on the little journey, she said, do you mind if we stop off and fetch my children? They've been playing at a friend's house and she had a, I don't know, it was like a bus because it, it seated the four of us, her and her husband, and we were going to fetch her three kids. And we got to this friend's house and um, I'd love to give this friend's name because I just think that she was amazing, but I haven't asked her permission, so I won't. But we got there and, and, and she was a very lovely person. She actually lived... Her home was across from the president's um, house. And so we got there and I could have felt so, so embarrassed that I didn't have a plan because when we were sitting and chatting, she said to me, so when is all of your stuff arriving? And I said to her, gosh, my stuff is not coming. So um, I don't know, we, we just gonna, we, we've rented out this little a home in a complex and we're just going to have to furnish it over time and she said oh well um we are actually building a second home and some things have to go into storage um would you mind storing some of the things for me could I maybe give it give you a dining room table and some chairs and I said to her oh I would be delighted and she said to me I'm not sure if it's even going to be your taste and I, I was, oh my gosh, I am not in a position to have any taste at this stage. I will be grateful for anything you would be prepared to have us care for, for while you wait to have the second home built. Anyway, the next day, she sent some furniture 
to our new home. And guess what arrived? Two leather brown couches. And Doug looked at me and he said to me, from your mouth to God's ears. And she also sent um, a bed and some dining room tables, sorry, a dining room table and six chairs. And I just saw miracle after miracle after miracle of God's blessing. And I had done nothing. In fact, um, I, I had still wanted to fight for my rights and, and God in his graciousness loved me and looked after me. And I remembered that beautiful encounter where the lion had said that the baggage must go and I didn't need what was in it. Friends, I don't even feel that it was only physical baggage. I think that there was emotional baggage, there was offenses, there were things that I was carrying that Jesus was going to just strip off every weight that so easily entangles us. And he did. You know, um, after that, I want to just tell you that um, it was also significant that the lion carried me because I had I, I was um, conceived before my parents were married and you know I just want to make it known here that I'm so grateful that they became part of the Jesus movement and they radically went after God and seeing his miraculous power work so I'm so grateful that I didn't get oros I got orange juice they went after where Jesus and the Holy Spirit was actually working where where they wanted to see the works that Jesus said that we could do that were greater than him and I'm so grateful that I grew up in that environment in radical Jesus loving community but the enemy sometimes finds his way in and so I I actually felt like they had I had been conceived when they were young and that carrying me was something that was that came with um like being embarrassed of having had a child young and all of that and I felt this need to um to not be heavy and not to be something that caused them to feel that it was you know, having a child young was something heavy for them to carry. And I just feel that the line spoke to me, the line of Judah. When I speak about the line of Judah, I'm speaking about how God came and encountered me. And um, I feel that him carrying me was to show me that he, it is his joy to carry me. And he wanted me to trust that he loves me enough to carry me. It is his joy to carry me. And he just got rid of that stupid lie that I had allowed to come into my mind and the way that I had lived life. Um, another thing that I just want to say is that, you know, I did think to myself, Lord, why are you revealing yourself as the lion? Um, you know, like, Father God, are you not that old man with a flowing white glorious beard up in heaven that is what that is all these all these um these stereotypes that we have in our minds you know isn't that who you are god jesus aren't you the carpenter holy spirit i'm not even sure what you look like but isn't it a, shouldn't i be thinking of a stereotype why would you come as the lion and you know, I just felt that the Lord say that he does, he's deep calling to deep. 
and he felt that I had some misconceptions about who he is because I saw him as being limited to what I thought humans were capable of. And he is so much more. Yes, we are made in the image of God, but he is able to reveal himself so much deeper and wider than we could ever think or imagine. And I was just loving the way that he was coming to me. And I I kind of think that people who love animals get this, that sometimes an animal has a way of loving you unconditionally, that, you know, they, they just love you um, they, they stick close to, to you, they're therapeutic, they minister to you. And that is how he was revealing himself to me as a lion. And so just don't um, think that I am in any way disrespecting the Lord or who he is. And, and, but he just was gracious enough to me that every time I would pray, he would come as a lion the Lion of Judah. The Bible speaks about the Lion of Judah. And in this, I want to tell you that I had the most wonderful thing that in, in Namibia, in Vintuk, I went to see a lion. Um, I wasn't actually going to see the lion. I was going to a game reserve, like just to go and enjoy what Namibia boasts and to see the different animals. And there in Namibia, in this one particular place, they had a lion that wasn't in, in an enclosure. Now, just because it wasn't in, in an enclosure didn't mean that it wasn't fierce and um, extremely wild. Because there had been an instant where, instance where this lion had actually scratched a child. It also had, um, they had thrown a hunk of meat into this lion attached to a chain and when the game ranger saw that it had become um, hooked he ran in to try and um, just dislodge it and and the lion actually injured him so badly that he died so this lion although it was in an enclosure was still very much a wild animal so the enclosure was very big it was a very massive um piece of land where this lion and his daughter roamed and lived but for the benefit of people that were coming to Namibia that wanted to observe the lion they would throw a hunk of raw meat in and the lion would devour it and you could actually hear the crunching of the bones um, and you could see it and you and so you could see it through this wooden it there was like a wooden viewing deck that they, it was the lion couldn't see people watching him because there was a big wooden um, wall erected in front, and there was just a very small slit that just the size of like sunglasses or glasses that your eyes could look at what was happening. Anyway, I was just absolutely taken aback by this lion. I mean, to be so close to this lion, I could just sense the power in this lion. It was something supernatural, um, seeing it in real life. But what I wanted to share about this lion was that the game ranger showed us something that happened. Lions generally, the, the female lioness hunts, and then the male, and she feeds, she brings the whatever she's killed, the prey to the main lion, and the lion eats first, and then what's left over, the female lion and her cubs will enjoy. 
But this hunk of meat was thrown over and the lion began to eat and then his daughter crept in under his chin and began to eat with him. And the game ranger said to us, this is a very rare occurrence because it's just not lion law. It's not what lions do. A normal situation, the lion would roar because of pecking order and his daughter would have to wait until she was allowed to eat. And he said, this was so strange, but I just felt the Lord say to me, that is how much I love you. I love you beyond any laws. I would even break the laws like when Jesus healed on the Sabbath. That's how much I love you because I love you more than law. I came to fulfill the law, but you are my daughter. And whatever I have got, whatever the prey is something that you are seated next to me in heavenly places and you get to enjoy what I enjoy. Because my affection for you is so great you will never truly understand it. The wild, furious love of Jesus the love that he has for you has meant that he's established a place next to you. And you know, when that lion roared or even just growled or made any sounds, it was like the earth beneath us shook and the vibrations are like something that you've never experienced in your life before. And I just felt God say to me, that's how I roar jealously over you. Do you know the things that cannot be seen shake in the frequency when the Lion of Judah roars over you and around you? Your enemies flee. He prepares the table for you in the presence of your enemies. He says, come and enjoy this meal next to me, daughter of God. You eat next to me and I will roar in the presence of your enemies and they will be scattered as you feast with me. I just hope that ministers to some people out there who feel the chaosness, they feel that there's an enemy around them, just understand that it's not about how much you can repeat the scriptures, you can pray, which is good. Sometimes you need to understand that there is one who roars over you. He is that word. He is that frequency that goes out, that never returns void. It's not how much you repeat the scripture. It is the scripture. It is the word, Jesus. Jesus is the one who roars over you. And he says, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants to nourish you. He wants to nurture you. He wants what he gives you to eat, to nurse you back to health, to get you strong because of whose you are not because of what you do and what you can achieve to impress him. Do you know that a lion lives in a pride? A lion is social. And I just feel like God wants us to know that we belong, that he's got a family. He's not about a whole lot of isolated people doing their own thing. He's not about um, celebrities. He is 
social, his community, even the Godhead, his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we belong to. We belong to a family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, friends, I just wanted to share this with you because I feel that sometimes we can get so busy in working and striving. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4, 11, I'm trying to think now if it's, I've just actually lost my place, but yes, it's Hebrews 4, verse 11, which says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Which means that we need to come to the place where we take the yoke of Jesus upon us, where we understand that God loves us so, so, so deeply, so wildly, so freely, beyond what we could think or ask or imagine. There is nothing we can do that can make Jesus love us more. There's nothing we can do that can make him love us less. We are his special prized possession. And you know, I just feel that it takes more work to rest. And this is what I want to just ask you to do today, is to make time for the secret place. When you carried your child, when your child was being formed, it was being formed in the secret place of where God put your child together in the secret place of your womb. God does his work in the secret place. You know, and sometimes I think that we attract great things in our lives to the measure with which we spend time in the secret place of Jesus. Because when we spend time in the secret place, it's like we begin to to carry and have a capacity more for heaven and for who he is, for his love, for his grace. And everything else on the planet is attracted to that heaven that we have inside of us. So I just want to ask you today to go out there. I I felt that I needed to be reminded of this because I have found that I've got back into a place of just trying to do a whole lot of things. And just getting tired, you know. And by the way, I want you to know that the Lord healed me. I was sick and God healed me. And he healed me by loving me and through rest. Rest brings with it healing. And some people out there today, I feel that you need emotional healing. Some people need physical healing. Some people are carrying offenses and bitterness and they also need healing, some of us. I just want you to know I'm preaching to myself here as well because even although I went through that amazing time, it's funny how we can just walk and default back into getting so busy with doing all sorts of things and forgetting our first love. And I just, I felt so reminded today that Jesus saying, He misses time with me in the secret place. He treasures time with you in the secret place. So let me just pray for us. Father God, I just thank you for the fact that you are kind and that you love us so deeply. I just thank you that you love carrying us. I thank you that you love 
putting our heads in your beautiful, glorious mane. That you want to wash our thoughts and that you want to baptize us with your love. That, Father God, you want to whisper things into our ears. That, Lord, you want to speak to us at the speed of light. That, Lord, you want to close and quiet every single thing that is distracting us from hearing what you want to say to us. Because you want to speak your love into us. You want to pour your strength into us. You want us to be postured like all nature is postured to receive sunlight, to receive water, just to receive, to receive all of heaven, to receive your love for us. Teach us, Lord, how to labor into rest. Help us, Lord, how to know how to rest in your love for us, how to actually stop working so that what we do can become significant, that we can work from being seated with you in heavenly places, that we can see your goodness in the land of the living. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me, ladies. It's been a precious time. I hope that you've enjoyed um, and received something from this time. Next time, I'll have a wonderful guest and um, they'll share some of their secrets uh, on their mothering group.